0: We would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is produced, the Wajak Noongar people, and pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Music Welcome, welcome. Christmas 2022 is almost upon us.
1: Hey, I feel like this year has gone so quickly. Yeah. It's crazy.
0: It is. It feels like we were doing this just yesterday. Yeah. Um, but this yeah.
1: time it's better because we have someone else with us. <laughs>
0: That's right. Yes, please welcome uh, Danny Barrington.
2: Hi, everyone. Uh, hey. Um
0: I'm not sure of your title, Danny. Is it Professor or Doctor? Ah, uh, or- Doctor. Doctor, okay. It's all great. All right, Dr. Doctor. Jenny. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> right, excellent. Um, you, have, you have actually been a previous guest on the podcast. I have
2: on a more serious episode. Yeah. Yes. Although yeah. I always have lots of laughs because right. we're talking about poo. So <laughs> even when it's serious, yes. it's fun. Yes, I
0: think yes, exactly. I feel like poo might come up again in the conversation Probably today.
1: Don't, don't give too much away.
0: <laughs> no, spoiler alert. <laughs> what's what's oh. Christmas without poo? So. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Just thinking of not, South, South Park.
1: I am not putting that as the quote <laughs> for my Twitter thing.
0: No, no. M- it's not going to be. Hankey. Mr. Hanky, Mr. Hanky, the Christmas poo. No. <laughs> Oh, All right. <laughs> yeah, so we've got um, we've pro- we've got a few things we can have a chat about just to round up the year, uh, and we've had a look at a couple of interesting and amusing Christmas special articles from the uh, Medical Journal of Australia. Um, but yeah, I don't know what order people want to do this, and whether we want to maybe have a look at a couple of the articles first, and have a chat about stuff that might have happened during the year, or whether you want to do it the other way around.
1: Either way. Hmm. Yeah,
0: I think it's good to make production decisions whilst people are listening. Yeah, I
1: think so too. Yeah, yeah, this is this is all part of the plan. Um, uh, in fact, we've already decided. Uh, <laughs> um, I think we do the papers first
3: Okay. and
1: then we can trail off with all of the other things that have happened this year because I feel like it has been a pretty eventful year. However, the MJA papers are pretty funny and entertaining. So I would like to start off with that, I think.
0: The- that sounds good to me. And one of the reasons that we invited Danny on is because she's a recent um, media superstar <laughs> in Australia, having been <laughs> on national television talking about her research. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, <laughs> so, with that You've in mind, I think we should be. That's stressful. <laughs> I, I know. Sorry about that. Um, with that in mind, did you want to share your paper first, Danny, that you looked yeah, at? Yeah,
2: sure. So, the title is The Paediatric Aussie Chocolate Poo Scale. And what it's about is uh, within digestive health uh, and also other areas um, of research and practice, we often talk about this, this thing called the Bristol school, stool, sorry, the Bristol stool <laughs> scales. And what it is is actually um, kind of a, a rating system for people to be able to communicate with their doctors about how firm or soft their poo is. So, it goes right from type one, which is very um, hard lumps, very hard to pass. Generally, people have very severe constipation, um, through to, you know, a sausage type poo, which is what you'd be expecting on a normal day. And type seven is when you get to completely just liquid poo. And what the researchers here are proposing is that, particularly um, because parents don't really want to go and look at their children's poo uh, so that they can tell the doctor what number it is, uh, that they, they've come up with this different scale, which is based on different chocolate bars that kids should be familiar with in Australia. So, for example, you go from Maltesers, so if your poo looks like it would be really hard little rocks of Maltesers, through to a picnic, a Chiquito, where you're getting more of a sausage butt with cracks on it, um, a <laughs> boost bar, which is quite smooth, Um, chocolate coated peanuts to a flake, which is kind of fluffy pieces, uh, and to (laughs) melted chocolate, which I think we all know is uh when you're getting to the um bum end of the (laughs) scales. Yeah. (laughs) So I think it's um obviously it was running just for the uh for the competition, but also, you know, I've I've talked to people about it in the last couple of days. Um The mixed reactions, the people I work with in the water and sanitation sector are like, yep, they're calling for more research, we should do that, we should get the funding. Um, I just think in terms of, like, clinical communication with kids and things, that actually actually makes sense to me. And a few people I told thought that it was a real normal journal article. Um, Mm. Although some other parents I spoke to said, um, well, the problem is that they don't really need it because their kids always want to show them their poo, particularly when it's an interesting (laughs) shape. So yeah in terms of the demand for this research I'm not sure
1: that's really interesting the thing that kind of um uh was a weird thought for me was the flake like I looked up the normal scale yeah. and then I, I compared it to the the chocolate bars um for the kids scale and for me flake was just a weird yeah, one to I'd choose. say it'd have to be a melty flake yeah, yeah. Like Christmas
2: Day when you're opening it and it's heated up a little bit and it's I still kind of Yeah, stuck to the wrapper still. It's a 40 degree,
1: yeah. degree <laughs> yeah.
2: day um, Christmas. It is dip. an Australian scale, so. I, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'd be a little concerned if, if little shards of flake <laughs> sort of started appearing in the toilet bowl.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, there are people who, um, I don't know if you've heard about this, but, you know, a few years ago people brought out this product that it essentially it's like a big capsule of glitter that you would take so that you had glitter poo? And like, why? Yes, but I heard about that. <laughs> it's what, so weird. Yeah,
4: when, is,
0: when, is, when is people's poo being publicly displayed where glitter would matter? Well,
2: I mean, we're probably not that far away from it in TikTok, right?
1: Oh, so- Well, actually, so there is an app that people can download that has the this, stool this scale on it. Um, and they can rate their daily poos oh, and yes, they can share a photo. Mm. And it's apparently very popular. So people share photos of poops all the time.
3: Mm. Okay. <laughs> you might
1: just want to chuck some glitter or some gold in it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Probably won't go too many yeah, I, I, No. Yeah, no.
0: I, had, I had no idea. That's definitely on the fringes, I'd say.
1: So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think, though, that there's some real, like, valid points about this even beyond... Uh, poop scales and things like that, in terms of making medical scales available and accessible for for mm. children and for parents to be able to help communicate um, what their children are feeling and things like that, I feel like there is, like, quite
2: a substantial amount of, like, importance in that area, though. Yeah, and these sorts of scales, yeah. even if you're nonverbal, you would be able to give some indication of where you are on there. Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think there's always a kernel of kind of seriousness even in a, in a joke yeah, like this. Kernel. Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Be, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> They're not um, showing me yeah, any we, of the
2: pictures on the Bristol still, that scale diagram.
1: No, no chocolate <laughs> bars have corn
2: in it. Yeah. So.
0: <laughs> no, I can't oh, think dude. of any. Yeah, no. yeah. Okay, yeah. Very interesting. No, heaps of them have um, popcorn,
2: like oh, no, rice. Pop, oh, that's yeah, true. Puffed rice not
0: corn that's right puffed rice yeah yeah probably got a lot of like corn
2: sugar in some of them or maybe not the australian ones but
0: yeah yeah american ones the high fructose corn syrup yeah (laughs) yeah just to just to ruin your uh your gut bacteria (laughs) yeah
1: exactly (laughs) move you up the scale on the on the poo scale
0: (laughs) yeah okay Was, was there anything else of note that came out of the the poo article
1: Did they, did they test it on anyone or, like, check yeah, with no, children? Yeah, I think that, that's what
2: they said they need to do more because they haven't validated mm. the tool yet. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That and, makes sense. And obviously it is the Aussie chocolate proof scale, but, you know, I showed it to a few people overseas and I think there's only a couple there that are specifically Australian. So there could be the mm-hmm. potential for it to be an international scale yeah. um, mm. or at least interchangeable. You could figure out so that you contextualise it when you use it in your country and you've got to change out a boost bar for something else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay.
0: No, yeah. It's very clever. Yeah. Very yeah. oh, good. But as with all of these articles that we're going to talk about, we'll put links to them in the show notes for anyone who's interested in reading about the methods in more detail.
1: <laughs> but but all, all three of our articles are for the Medical Journal of Australia Christmas competition and these are the, the winners and I'm pretty sure they are all open access so everyone can read them. Yep. Um, yep. otherwise, you know we'll do a do a sneaky and we can send it to you if you need as well <laughs>
0: <laughs> so courtney who who's got the short straw to go
1: next uh... Oh, I don't know. Which uh, I, I'm happy so, to go next. I, I'll go next. Um, okay. Yeah, sounds good. So, um, was mine the winner of the competition, or was yours, no, Craig? I, I thought mine was. I oh, I was yours the winner? I,
2: I, all three are winners. Uh, <laughs> I do think that that you, you, the um your one may have got pipped at the post, Courtney, because it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah okay. Right. yeah. okay. All right. Yeah.
0: Okay.
1: So, so the article that uh, I'm talking about today is by Vincent uh, Gertner. Hopefully, that's right, Um, and it's titled Mm -hmm. "Harry Potter and the Multitudinous." Now, is this maladies or maladies or I think it's maladies, but most people probably only read it in Harry Potter books. I have only ever read it, Yeah. yeah. Um, A retrospective population-based observational study of morbidity and mortality among witches and wizards. So, uh, you know, uh, being a millennial myself, Harry Potter is obviously one of the number one books and movies that all of the people in my generation have read or seen, Um, and I'm sure we've all sorted ourselves into the different um, houses. Myself, I think I'm Ravenclaw. Yeah, I'm a Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw? Craig?
0: I have to admit I've never read <gasps> Harry Potter or seen any of the oh films. Oh, my gosh. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh.
0: Okay. The Christmas like, bombshell. I don't even know how you he,
2: managed to do that. Like,
0: I know. I know. I've, I've seen it. I'm aware of it. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. I'm aware of a lot of the actors. Um, but, yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. Never, so th- some of this might go done. over your head, Craig, then. Um, That's all right. Uh, fun- funnily enough, uh, with Harry Potter, uh, I like to tell the story, Um when it originally came out, uh, my my brother picked up the Harry Potter book from a $2 book bin um, because it wasn't popular then. So we have like one of the like uh, version one copies of the first book um, and he brought it into his school as like um, the days when they, what, what's, what, what's the word I'm talk, uh, thinking of? They're like book show and tell. Show and tell, yeah. So they he brought it in for show and tell, and his teacher was like, "That's a ridiculous book. It will never be popular. Like, why do you even bring this in?" And then, you know, now everyone knows about it. Um, So anyway, this article is all about um, Harry Potter and the morbidity and mortality that is faced in the seven different books. Um, There are they kind of start this article uh, introducing the the seven different books. Um, and one of my favourite lines in the introduction is, despite increasing evidence for the presence of wizards and witches, medical knowledge about this population is limited and that's one of their reasons for doing this study. Um, What they aim to do is to describe the morbidity and mortality among witches and wizards across a seven-year observational period corresponding with the school years of Harry Potter at Hogwarts. Um, One of the reasons why they chose this book is because it's the only uh, uh, only documented series of information about morbidity and mortality in the witches and wizards world, um, particularly within the UK. So there's no other information about it. We only have the stories as told by Harry Potter. Um, (laughs) What they did was two reviewers read all uh, seven books and they independently extracted a list of all persons and their injuries or uh, issues or sickness um, and also the fatalities in the book. They did only include witches and wizards in their analysis. So uh, they did not include muggles, which is fair enough, but they also didn't include squibs, statues, ghosts, creatures, animals, goblins and paintings, uh, probably for the best considering how many ghosts there are in, uh, in Hogwarts. Um, and what they were trying to show or what their primary outcome was, the overall morbidity and mortality in the wizarding world. So... What they found. <laughs> it's um, the, one of the things that I'm kind of interested in about this is um, I'm going to try and find the dates, but uh, they read, the two independent reviewers read all seven books between the 10th of February and the 19th of March this year. How? And I feel like that's pretty <laughs> impressive.
2: <laughs> um, they're not—they're not just like small books. Yeah, yeah. Number um, one, small, and then they just get progressively larger. Yeah. So, yeah, three thousand four
1: hundred seven pages between February and March, um, and they created a da- data set that included nine hundred eighty-eight individuals, and of those 9- nine hundred eighty-eight, there were six hundred and three wizards and witches. Over the seven books, there were one thousand five hundred and forty-one maladies or deaths um, that were identified. The majority of these were, were non-fatal injuries or, or sicknesses, um, but there were one hundred and thirty-one deaths in the book, in the books, which is quite a lot for a children's uh, book, you know, in theory. Yeah, for a children's book. Yeah. Well, sorry for the for the witches and wizarding world. Yeah, Wizards World. Um, Yeah, quite a large number of deaths. Uh, My favourite bit is that they included originally the eight deaths for uh, Voldemort, Um, but after that adjustment, the mortality rate was about 20.6%. In terms of morbidity, duels and fights made up 39% of all injuries and medical objects, potions, plants or creatures was about 24% and non-combative trauma was about 15%. The majority of deaths were wizarding jewels. <laughs> and uh, most of the time it was due to the killing curse, which um, I do love the uh, the TikTok. I don't know if you guys have seen it, there's a TikTok compilation at the moment um, where they say Avada Kedavra and then um, it progressively gets faster and by the end it's just like someone going, (laughs) anyway, it's very funny. Uh, (laughs) Not translatable for audio at all, but that's okay. Um, So... One of the major differences between the wizarding world and the muggle world is that the majority of these morbidities, obviously not the mortalities, but the the morbidities, the the injuries and the the sickness um, were easily treatable. So majority of people spent maximum a week in their hospital or they were uh, kind of cured instantly, and there's almost no accounts of any chronic sickness oh. in the Wizarding World. Um, so that was one of the biggest differences that these authors reported uh, between the Muggles and the Wizarding World as reported yeah, by I'm Harry thinking, Potter.
2: what I'm thinking about, like Mad-Eye Moody, Mooney, whichever one, whichever yes. is, you know, he was missing an eye long-term, but.
1: That's true, yeah.
2: Did he also the have one. a peg leg? I can't remember. He, did, Yeah, I think so. Well,
1: maybe it was just him. <laughs> <laughs> but the, but the, there's not many. No, um, no.
2: Not many at all. But they're not, they uh, don't have a lot is... of diversity and inclusion there. In many areas, yes. as we know, uh, JK is quite into for.
1: Uh, yes, yes. I think um, the authors do kind of touch on the the lack of, uh diversity in the wizarding world and we don't know whether that's just the reports of harry potter or whether that's some other influencing factor uh in these reports
0: (laughs) (laughs) got a question did you say that voldemort had eight deaths yes so he died eight times during the series he sure did right okay so that'd be the the first repeat event analysis for (laughs) death
1: Yeah, yeah. So we could actually look at, like, where the death itself gets worse over time. But, again, Wizarding World is a bit funky. So, um, uh, Craig, considering you haven't read Harry Potter, I I will explain. Mm. um, Essentially, Voldemort has a whole bunch of horcruxes where a little bit of his spirit is put into each one. Um, So all of those deaths are when one of the horcruxes um, gets destroyed. Uh in the end. Okay. Yes, yes. So it's almost is it really a death? That's mm. that's the real it's like, question.
0: It's like a feline death. could happen nine times. Yeah. yeah. Maybe
1: all cats just have horcruxes. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, so th- there there's a kind of a there's a couple of quotes in the, the discussion that I, I do want to point out because I think um, they're they're pretty interesting. So infections were rarely reported in the wizarding world, which I think is quite mm. a clear contrast to um, us muggles. We seem to get infected with all sorts of bacteria and, and viruses all the time. Um, and one of the biggest uh, future directions and implications of this paper I felt was that there as duels and fights were the most frequent cause of morbidity and more important mortality, better supervis supervis supervise supervi- Oh my gosh, you can tell it's getting up to Christmas. Um better supervision is urgently required at this school and we call for the Ministry of Magic to investigate options for improving student safety at Hogwarts. I feel like that at the reading all seven books, that is definitely the main message. Um of the wizarding wizarding world and they need to improve their student safety. (laughs) Well, they they don't talk about having a health and safety officer, do they? No, I don't think they do. Yeah, never read that in the (laughs) books. Unfortunate.
0: <laughs> not, not like our school, which is well well staffed for health and safety officers.
1: Exactly. <laughs> fire,
0: fire wardens, etc.
1: And maybe this is one of the areas where us <laughs> muggles are a bit better than the wizarding world is that we do have those kind of strategies for dealing with safety and, and making sure that we prevent some forms of disease, whereas these wizards and witches just seem to duel at any point um, and they always just go at
2: it. So uh, think, well, maybe well, they, well, they could learn from us. So you're better at controlling for risk. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think so. I,
0: sus- I suspect we might be similarly reckless if we could die eight times.
2: It's only True. it's only Voldemort though. It, yeah. So you have to be a real dark uh, dark okay. wizard, a, be- a bad boy, to do that. But then it only right. takes one word essentially to kill somebody. So that's pretty. Yeah.
0: That's okay. The
1: whole. It's all a bit weird, really. The whole thing. thing. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Life is cheap in uh, yep. the Harry yeah. Potter universe. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Um. <laughs> But In terms of like the actual science, I thought it was a very good article to read and they would actually thought about it quite a lot like one yeah. of the the limitations that they said is they didn't um they didn't report any stati- statistical differences they just looked at descriptives the main reason being is um they knew that the accounts that they were looking at were highly biased because it was only from Harry potter's view so I think mm. explaining those kind of things in this article was a really really good um and positive part of this paper um it also highlights a little bit about burden of disease in in populations as well. So, you know, this is something that us muggles do all the time. I know that a lot of countries re- release uh, morbidity and mortality reports and there's global ones as well and these provide really good statistics and a basis for further research. So hopefully the wizarding yeah. world can take this on, improve and um, uh, apply some some of the... Results and
2: ideas into their future research areas. The only the only yes. um, thing that came up for me in the limitations is that um, they do say that they didn't look at books beyond the original seven books, so they didn't look That's at true um, fantastic Be- beasts and where to find them, etc. But mm-hmm. um, they don't really tell us clearly why. I mean, if they can read all seven books in six weeks or whatever.
1: Come on, uh, yeah, I, you know, there's TV series, there's like fanfics you could go into. Yeah. There's so many different areas. But yeah, where you so learn they, a they lot have more. they
2: have stated that it's a limitation. Just I don't think being clear about why.
1: Yes, um, no, why. pure laziness? Yeah.
2: <laughs> How do they possibly have anything that's more important to do in their exactly. academic life? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, it wasn't. Yeah, it was a good article though. I, I enjoyed reading it. Yeah, wonderful. Oh yeah, and I think. Oh. There's a lot of really cool stuff there for people who are teaching um this this type of um, statistics as well very true. I sent it to all the teaching mm. staff in our school and said you guys should, should be using this
1: <laughs> awesome yeah this is there's some basic uh epidemiology and mm. statistical concepts in there that I think yeah are, are, are good for uh students learning
0: yeah. See, see children stats can be fun we'll probably
2: end up getting more citations <laughs> than any of our papers
1: <laughs> <True>. <laughs> <laughs> Mungie, it might be a bit old school now because um don't younger generation's not like harry potter anymore yes. hasn't it been cancelled mm-hmm.
0: that's true
1: yeah so it might just be it for, for my group the millennials okay. yeah
0: <laughs> well we'll definitely at um jk rowling when we tweet about the podcast yes i'm yes, sure she, she can take these findings on board yes, in case she's so. con- contemplating any more <laughs> harry potter novels yes, <laughs> yes hi we hope you're enjoying this episode if you have a minute and enjoy the conversations we bring you it'd be great if you could go to wherever you get your podcasts and give us a quick rating and review not only do we love to get your feedback but it also helps other people to find us Thank you, and now back to the show. Yeah, so I I had a look at an article called Meals and Movies Making Our Microbiota Merry um, by Olivia Youssef and Stephen D'Souza, who are actually from, I just noticed, from the southwest of England, from Bristol and Somerset. Hmm. Uh, Well, Bristol's in Somerset, but, yeah, from Taunton and Somerset. So, um, yeah, interesting that we've got an international flavour to our Medical Journal of Australia That's competition. True. Which is great.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, so, so this article is essentially about food and how it's depicted in Christmas movies and um, how that yeah, how that might impact on people's eating habits, which is interesting. Mm. Um, so essentially the, the sort of rationale for the study is that gut health, gut health is important and can also impact on neuropsychiatric health because uh, it can affect regulation of oxytocin and dopamine. Which are two sort of happy chemicals in that we produce um, the love and happiness um, and that they say that the authors say so that cinema has a quite an imp, can have an impact on our eating behaviors, and so obviously poor food and overeating, which are common at Christmas can lead to people not having quite as merry a Christmas as they want, <laughs> <laughs> and so what they thought they'd do is have a look at um some of the top Christmas movies and see what sort of foods were depicted in there and then do a little bit of analysis and grade them basically based on whether the ingredients were microbiota detrimental food groups or microbiota enhancing food groups. Um, and so they they Googled uh Christmas films and looked at the top 25 lists on Google. Uh, and they also had a look at IMDB and compared the Google list with the IMDB top 25 list and then they found 14 movies that were on both <laughs> lists so they ran with those um, but they had to exclude uh Miracle on 34th Street and The Nightmare Before Christmas oh, they because eat? they didn't feature food they don't eat prominently. Any of them. Oh, okay. wow yeah so for a
1: christmas movie as well jeez
0: yeah, so I believe Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street has been made twice. Is that right? Oh, yeah, I, no idea. I feel like
2: maybe it was remade in the nineties when I was a kid, but then it's an old old movie, right? So yeah,
0: yeah. so the one with um, uh, Richard uh, Attenborough, right? He's uh, yep. in the the remake, yep. I think. Um, yeah, that's the one I've seen. I haven't seen the old one, but I'm assuming they don't feature food in either of them. Hmm. So weird. Yeah, so (laughs) anyway, um, so basically the food items that appeared in the food were um, assessed according to the main ingredients. And so for chocolate biscuits, for example, um, the main constituent was deemed to be chocolate, but then they looked up a basic biscuit recipe and saw there was flour, butter, eggs and sugar. And so they took that and it was quite generic. This is all listed in the limitations. So if they didn't have enough information, they went with a generic recipe. And so, as I said, they gave them a score based on whether the foods were microbiota detrimental or enhancing. And then they basically summed those two scores to see, so the detrimental ones were subtracted from the enhancing ones, and they came up with the mince pie score, which is the <laughs> microbiota index of comparative evaluation for pictorial, pictorial infographic evidence. Oh, I
1: love that. That's so good.
0: <laughs> Extremely clever, Yeah. Um, So, yeah, so as far as the results came through, there was 12 movies that made the cut. Um, What were they? Do you have them instead? I do, yeah. So I'll I'll go from one to 12. In fact, one of them appears, two of them appears twice. Mm. Um, So, yeah, The Muppets Christmas Carol (laughs) came in first and the reason that came in first is because it featured a Christmas dinner um, which had – vegetables and resistant starch and relatively low sugar and fat content. Um, and then Christmas Carol had Christmas Pudding, which actually seemed to score quite well, mm, um, which is interesting point, because that's high, quite high in sugar, I would have thought, but the, maybe it's the fruit and the other stuff that they they think is good. Um, it's a Wonderful Life has mulled wine. Mm, um, so good. Yeah. Then it was National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, which appears twice, so – It it had turkey, which got a a mince pie score of one, and then it had eggnog, which was zero, so it didn't really change the score at all. Um, Home Alone appears once under the food mac and cheese with a mince pie score of one, but then kind of goes downhill um, with the cheese pizza, which had a score of negative (laughs) two. So a net sort of loss there of negative one. Gremlins Chicken Drumsticks scored one um love actually's chocolate biscuits so these ones are all detrimental so love actually scrooge had five pounds of veal so i think the the comment that the authors make is that veal in itself is probably okay but five pounds (laughs) of veal is probably overdoing it a bit
1: something about moderation
0: Uh, (laughs) yeah moderation exactly (laughs) um and then scrooge sorry that was scrooge's a christmas story had the chinese turkey duck um, I'm not sure why that's so unhealthy. I guess it's maybe basted in something that's yeah, uh, maybe it's really high in fat perhaps. Um, <laughs> everyone everyone that's um, seen Elf will know why that scored low with the candy spaghetti <laughs> breakfast. I feel like there's syrup on everything in that so. movie. I think yes. <laughs> I think it's his favourite food, isn't it, syrup?
1: Yes, one of them. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> um, Bad Santa had the candy corn. What's candy corn? Um, so it's popcorn that has been glazed oh, basically okay. in yeah. sugar and it's crunchy and it's often caramel um that's the candy
1: but there's also the american version that's like the little triangle that's got the white yellow and orange stripes that's oh. also called candy corn yes and what is that um, uh, okay. it's just a lolly
2: I, it's a lolly of some sort um i, I don't know okay. if i've never tried it yeah because i oh, actually think yeah, what you're talking about crazy candied corn maybe
0: oh uh, okay yeah Granddad over here. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you. I've seen that for that
2: many times, so I can't tell you. <laughs> yeah, Fair. But
0: yeah, but bottoming out on the list, which is a travesty because a lot of people like this movie, is Die Hard, um, mm. and it's because Twinkies, which ah. we don't really get in Australia, so they're a sort of a soft biscuity, cakey type yeah. thing filled with chocolate. If I, I I equate them
1: to you know the the sponge rolls that yeah. we have that have like the jam and cream. And it's like a spiral. Yeah. I'm I'm pretty yeah. sure it's similar to that. So it's almost like a sponge cake with some yeah. form yeah. of like cream filling. I know. I have, have
2: tried them and they're pretty horrible. <laughs> ah, yeah, they're I mean, usually
0: sort of soaked in syrup. Yeah. And mm-hmm. yeah, they've got chocolate in the middle and they're sort of the size of a fat finger yeah. type thing. Um <laughs> but yeah, so anyway, they 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 come up. So yeah, that's that's sort of the list. Um but yeah, some of the some of the things they, they talk about is that it's not sort of, it's not necessarily a good or a bad. It's it's sort of about quantity as well. So high high protein diet can um, reduce the beneficial bacteria that are in your gut and can lead to infl- inflammatory bowel disease. And so that's one of the reasons they can't recommend the five pounds of veal <laughs> in Scrooge. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, nuts are another one that can have a prebiotic effect and can be beneficial, but um they also have a a bad side as well um that can lead to uh, a negative effect on the gut bacteria um so yeah it's sort of about um you know moderation and uh bacterial populations are altered in people with depression um and and things like that and they, and they reckon that They've found evidence that changes in microbiota diversity have been linked with conditions such as autism, anxiety, anxiety and other neurodegenerative diseases. Yes,
2: that's all fair enough, but I I think there's probably some riskier behaviour in Die Hard, for example, than eating Twinkies. (laughs) I think you're right. I mean, having to uh, sit on the toilet for a little bit longer is probably a better trade-off than uh, how a lot of other people end in that film. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah picking picking glass out of your yeah, feet oh. out of your bare feet <laughs> I hope i haven't spoiled it for anyone
2: my
1: my, my, my biggest <laughs> question is uh i feel like elf should be lost because just like the sheer amount of <laughs> of yeah. candy and sugar that is in that um movie is ridiculous yeah so yeah. at least the cheese feel pizza like, yeah. has dairy in it that's true, and yeah, a bit of flour and things like that. Uh, but I, I feel mm. like maybe the scale is lacking in terms of uh, estimating quantity.
0: I th- I think the robustness of their methods can, is questionable, <laughs> and this may may be a, a large part as to why it didn't come first in the competition. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> um.
1: <laughs> but I do feel like uh. Uh, gut health is kind of one of the the bigger things that's come up. Like over the past couple of years, uh, you know, if you yeah. asked me five years ago anything to do with gut health, I'd be like, I don't know, just eat your fruit and veggies. Um, but now there's so much more research around uh, improving yeah. your gut health and how many different things it can influence. Yeah. It's really interesting.
0: That's right, yeah. A lot of it's to do with the gut wall and the gut lining as well and that getting perforated by the wrong foods. Um, so certain things kind of – and there's a thing called leaky gut – which can lead to sort of neurological issues as well with stuff getting into your blood that shouldn't and that sort of thing. So, yeah, interesting. Um, but, yeah, one of the other sort of comments they make just before we wrap this one up is that um, certain film genres can induce stress and anxiety such as action and horror. <laughs> yes. And that can, um, you know, food preferences can often be affected by the genre. So um, sweet food preferences were enhanced by romantic films, for yeah. example. Oh, so yeah, go. sitting there with a box of chocolates because it's the wrong time or whatever. Five pounds you know? of veal. Yeah. <laughs> but I would
2: have to say the Mother's Christmas Carol is a very lovely film and would make me want to sit down and have a Christmas dinner. It, yes. no, it's probably my favourite Christmas <laughs> film. Although I, I do have a soft spot for Love Actually. Oh, Love Actually yeah. is a
0: hard one to go past, it is. isn't it? I, I remember when it came out and the first time I saw it, I was I couldn't believe how good it was. Mm.
2: And, and the, then everyone still, kept making those films where they had random stories that tied together. You're like, you are like can't yeah. beat the original. No,
0: no way. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. There's something about the, that cast and yeah. that particular time that just works really well. Yeah. Yeah. So there's your mince pie score <laughs> to film food. Oh, funny. <laughs> I
1: actually don't like mince pies. No, me neither. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah I do. That's because you're um, an old grandpa,
1: I... as we've uh, <laughs> discovered this episode. That's right.
0: <laughs> It's my can, with my candied corn and my mince pies, That's right. my traditional taste, yeah. <laughs> oh, funny. <coughs> my 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 wife who who bakes a lot hates mince pies as well. Oh, she yeah. doesn't like um, raisins. So you have and, to get the um, like, Aldi sort of ones things, or so.
2: something every year. Mm.
0: Yeah, yeah, the Aldi ones are pretty good actually.
2: <laughs> <laughs> my Not husband so. is into <laughs> mince pies, so yeah. There's oft, often a lot of those around at the, this time of year. <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah. No, it's, uh, <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't had one yet this season, but I'm sure it's coming. Yeah, so. 10
2: days till Christmas. Oh my yeah,
0: God. I've had a couple of bits of um, Scottish shortbread, um, which is a bit of a favourite, but yeah, no mince pies yet, which is definitely next. <laughs> That's a nice little segue into talking about the year in review. Um, so lots of things happened this year yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: I don't know where, I don't know where we start I
1: don't know either to be honest uh, I'll, so I'll start
0: things. with something I'll start with something a bit novel and frivolous mm. I read somewhere um, I think it was the Gallup Institute reported some results showing that more Americans are smoking cannabis than tobacco currently
1: wow that for is for the first time ever
0: yeah so 16% reported smoking cannabis and 11% tobacco hmm. So, yeah, I guess that's what happens when you start yeah. legalizing things. How widely legalized a, is it? How many states? states
2: now?
0: You know what? It's it's up, I think it's up to over half of the yeah. states now. Hmm. I think, yeah, like there's 50 states, so it's I think it's over 25. Yeah. Wow. So, and the way, I mean, unless you're in a really massive state in America, if you really want to go and buy cannabis, you can probably yeah, drive to sure. the next state yeah. if, you know, if your state doesn't allow it. Um so yeah, interesting. Um we'll watch this space.
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It, it, that, I find yeah, it yeah. is interesting because um I guess something with with some of the work that I've been looking into, um you know, Australia obviously it's not legalized um everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um I believe you can
2: own some personal plants in um the yeah. ACT though. I feel like yeah, um, you can own yeah. two. You can own two here. It might not still be the case, but I have a feeling I was told that at mm. some
0: point. Okay, yeah, well, I know. I know Colin Barnett reversed uh, it at well, one it point and made it, it. Did it? Did, did a tough on mm. crime kind of backflip? Yeah, right. But yeah, certainly the ACT has decriminalised. I think all drugs for personal use. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I think um, it happens next year. It officially comes yeah, in. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I it, it's interesting because um, yeah, some of the work that I've been looking into, um uh cannabis thc that kind of thing there's actually a surprising mm. number of hospitalizations associated with it really? um so i'd be very yeah. curious to see hospitalizations and other like morbidity statistics coming out of the u.s about it and to see what those differences uh, yeah. are
0: and i i think in the early days of the first states that that decriminalized or regulated it in, in america the biggest issue, because it is actually quite common for people to to overdose on THC, yeah. and it's it, it's quite an unpleasant sort of thing. Yeah, it's hallucinations and, and, and yeah, all sorts. yeah, um, and can't speak and that sort of thing. Uh, I don't think people generally die from it, um, no. but it's just it takes a time for them to detox and yeah. get over it. But the the big issue is the edibles because people don't know how much they're ingesting. Um, when people smoke it, it tends to I think. The bioavailability of it means that it hits yeah. them quite quickly. Mm-hmm. And so, if they've smoked too much, they're probably going to fall asleep or, you know, stop pass out or whatever. It, yeah. You can stop smoking it. Whereas, if they take a massive dose um, that takes time to digest mm. in the stomach, then that just is going to, they, they basically just have to wait till it, it moves through their system. Um, and, yeah, I think the, the ambulances do get called out quite a bit for people who've overdosed on cannabis mm. edibles.
1: And that that's kind of, I guess, one of the main differences with nicotine because I don't know, I don't think I've heard of anyone overdosing on nicotine, but, I mean, obviously it's more addictive. So, um, mm. yeah, you're more likely to get addicted to nicotine than cannabis, I think. Might have to fact check yeah, me on that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'd say yeah, I'd say probably I think that you know, there's obviously other things that fall um into increased risk of being addicted to things, but um yeah, mm. I'm pretty sure nicotine's more addictive than I'm
0: sure, I think opioids opioids and tobacco have a similar yeah. addiction profile, which is quite high. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's terrifying. Yeah.
0: So anyway, that was just a little fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> Something
1: that's happened this year. Yeah, that 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 is interesting. I, I you know, obviously. Being 2022, we probably should address the fact that um, we're falling into the same pattern as the Spanish flu and other pandemics that have happened. Um, So, you know, COVID's still
2: here, (laughs) so that's fun. (laughs) I can't believe my my son has to get grommets in his ears tomorrow and I just had the call with the the nurse and she's like, masks are advised but not um enforced Mm. so the Uh. the um the nursing home where my grandfather is you have to wear them but at this hospital you don't i just that's interesting yeah it's i think you're meant to yeah because like we still have to
1: wear them at um the hospital that i work at is it
2: a public hospital this is a private hospital maybe oh
1: yeah it is a public hospital so yeah
0: yeah they're not wearing them at Greylands hospital anymore Mm because I've been out there a couple of times Mm -hmm. and and they recently stopped wearing them there uh, unless people want to. Um, So, yeah, that's interesting. But, yeah, like uh, I believe you might have had a little look at the the current numbers, Danny, on COVID-19 and what's happening. And, yeah,
2: what did did you find? (laughs) I just realised I don't have it in front of me. Um, But I think as everyone knows, we are going into um, another wave. Mm -hmm. Um, But what Um, I thought was quite interesting is that the deaths haven't really changed that much. So we're still having a Mm -hmm. a few deaths each week in Western Australia. Sorry, that's what I looked at specifically. Um, And, you know, I know people whose grandparents have died of COVID. Um, One of my grandparents almost died of COVID. You know, there's still a lot of people getting very sick, but it's just not talked about anymore. And early on Mm -hmm. in the pandemic, it was all like, oh, well, people have died, but they were elderly or, but they had underlying conditions. So the rest of us are fine. And it seems like this, it's just kind of even got worse because we don't talk about it happening at all anymore so Mm -hmm. yeah
3: it's
0: a lot's happened in a year a lot's changed because i remember this time last year we were sort of heading towards christmas and there wasn't really any community transmission yet i think it started happening just before christmas and they decided not to do lockdowns and do it that way they said right it's out there now we're just going to let it sort of organically grow uh and then before you know it um it was sort of just Going rampant, and there was thousands of new cases a day, and that sort of thing. And I, you know, fortunately, a lot of us had been vaccinated. Mm-hmm. We had really mm-hmm. high rates, um, so we're probably a bit better protected than some other places in Australia. Yeah, and I think um, we also
2: it made a big difference having our having it into WA in 2022 as opposed to 2020 when no one knew what to do, um, mm. and that it was. I mean, I know I don't know what it is now, but at the peak in May, it was mostly um, Omicron, right? So it wasn't um, yep. as bad. So yeah, we did. I think we have fared better than a lot of other places in the world.
0: Yeah, no, I, th- I think we have as well. And I think we um, are also,
2: I think we are the most
1: vaccinated population in the world as well mm. um, who've had more yep. than two doses uh, of of these vaccines. So we also, yeah, we have an insanely mm. high vaccination rate, which is fantastic. Um, one of the things that happened though this year was um, uh, with countries that are not like Australia, there was quite a bit of hesitancy to share vaccines. Um, so any that we didn't use weren't necessarily being sent to countries where maybe they needed them, so then there was a lower vaccine rate um, in other countries. And I feel like that's just mm-hmm. a missed opportunity, really. Um, we could have helped out a lot more. For than all our big talk about our aid strategy and
0: such.
2: <laughs> yeah. Mm. All, all about what we do for our region. Yeah.
0: yeah. I know. And look, I don't think it's any coincidence. So we've we've obviously had a change of government here, um, which is another thing that happened in 2022. Um, I don't think it's any coincidence that a lot of those decisions were made under the previous mm. government and their attitude towards health policy Absolutely. and climate change and whatnot is vastly different to the government we have currently. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like a different, a suite of decisions would have been quite different mm. um, had that change of government come earlier. Um yeah interesting <laughs>
3: yeah
0: yeah I don't know if I don't know if anyone's happy sharing their personal experiences with COVID if they if they have any um I did get it back in June I think uh other oh, late May or early June um I was fortunate that it was reasonably mild just had a couple of days um feeling a bit under the weather and not really able to do too much and then sort of fairly rapidly got better but have seen others firsthand who didn't fare so well?
2: I was okay the first seven days. I had this thing called COVID tongue. tongue. So it felt like when you burn your tongue, but like all the time. So it was really painful and I'd have to put like a mouthful of milk, have a mouthful of milk all the time. Um, Hmm. But then I thought I was better and then on day seven I cleaned the house and things and then I came down with gastro for like two or three days that was debilitating, Mm. couldn't get out of bed. So yeah, everyone has different stories. I have a good friend um, who is about my age. She has long COVID, um, and she had COVID in May, and is still, you know, signed off work. Doesn't really know what she can do. Um, mm. Has little kids. Like, yeah, was previously did not got fall into the category of having a pre-existing condition or um, being elderly either. So I think there's mm. probably a lot of people out there in that situation as well. Definitely.
1: Um, mine, mine was yeah. okay. Uh yeah, I I was sick for a few days, but I had probably 6 to 8 weeks after I recovered where mm. exercise was not an option. <laughs> yeah. Like going for a okay. run was just it was way too difficult and I couldn't breathe and basketball was bad. Um yeah. so yeah, the the a number of weeks afterwards were pretty bad for me. Um my my parents have managed to do very well and my my dad only got COVID a few weeks ago for the first time and my mum still doesn't have it, which mm-hmm. I'm very thankful for because mm-hmm. she does fit into more of the um, uh, chronic illness kind of section. So we've been very, very mm-hmm. careful with her to make sure that she doesn't get it, um, which she hasn't. So, well, hey, very good.
2: <laughs>
0: That's um, good, considering both of her children work in
4: hospitals. Yes,
2: <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> yes. Like my parents haven't got it, and my mum is a nurse, so she did very well. Oh wow, well. Yeah.
4: yeah,
0: very good. Yeah, but my mum was it was a registered nurse for a long time, and then uh, did other things, and kind of retired from nursing. And then I think maybe fifteen years later, I'm trying to think, no, maybe a bit less, maybe twelve years later, got. Uh, commandeered to go and um, vaccinate people mm. and got re-registered under some sort of amnesty that they, they did because they needed the current nurses in the hospitals rather than yeah. giving people vaccines. Wow. Um, so, yeah, she's been all over the state vaccinating in remote communities wow. and uh, regional areas and in the Perth clinics as well. Um, but, yeah, had had some interesting uh, chats with her about some of the people yeah. who would turn up and um, were <laughs> clearly nowadays, not wanting yeah. to get vaccinated. <laughs> but were kind of forced into it because their job depended mm-hmm. on it. Um, and then people, a lot of people booking appointments and not turning up for them because they didn't agree with it and they just wanted to disrupt the program and, mm-hmm. and, yeah, and people coming, coming in quite angry and, you know, they ended up having to have police stationed outside some oh, of the clinics. Wow.
1: Was, wasn't there one guy himself? that I think he got fined in the end, but didn't he get like 30-odd vaccinations or something? Did you guys read that okay. in the news? No. Oh, I, oh, I I won't be able to find the article. It was a while ago, um, but yeah, this guy just um, like under different names and, and did all sorts of things. Um, took uh, vaccinations for people that didn't want to get mm-hmm. it, and he he uh, actually okay. is the one that received it. And he received so many, and he's totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he had like thirty, I 30 like to forty the side or effects of
2: that would be worse than actually getting COVID. Yeah. 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 I had a very um, bad time with yeah, Moderna. I was fine with my Pfizer. I've had three Pfizer doses and one Moderna, and Moderna was about as bad as getting COVID for me. Mm.
0: Yeah. It was the same for me. I was out of action for two days after Moderna, yeah. after having two Pfizers before it. Yeah. 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 And look, there's a, <laughs> in Dianella, near where I live, um, in the p- local park, there was a an exhibition, if you like, of, someone had gone around and put loads of stakes in the ground with photographs and stories of people who'd been injured by vaccines. <laughs> some some had died, some had gotten really sick and not recovered yet. And, yeah, it was like a whole, I, I, I hesitate to say it's anti-vax, but it, it had that sort of sentiment about it. sort of angry kind of protest yeah. type <sighs> exhibition, yeah.
2: Well, I think that is something to talk about to students in the first year, that, you know, there are dangers to vaccines and things do happen, but generally the dangers are not Uh, outweigh those risks. So, Mm. yeah, there will always be those stories, but that's not the norm.
0: Yeah, it's a tiny percentage, and it's not to say that it's not important and that we shouldn't be trying to ensure that no one um, gets injured. Mm. But obviously, you know, it's a a work in progress, isn't it, like all vaccines over Mm. the years?
1: Um, But I think uh, also through this, like, vaccination process, we've managed to create technology that has been in the works for a number of years but never successful, um, but now mRNA vaccinations are, are possible and that is because of the mm. hard work of people in the research in that area. Um, and with something like if, if COVID never existed, we would not have that technology. Um, so, uh, you know, despite the fact that there are many, many negatives, um, there's also, I feel a lot of positives in terms of research and understanding Mm -hmm. and technology. Um, and you know, everyone now knows what epidemiology is, which is pretty cool.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I have to say it's kind of, um, I'm sure this has happened with wars as well. Like We um, up our innovation in wartime to to get things Mm -hmm. out there. And then it's like, oh, actually, that's really useful. I think also in terms of like women's uh, workplace rights and things in terms of Mm. not to say that they were great after the war immediately, but because women went out into the workforce, it was proof that, oh, look, they can actually do it despite having periods. Oh, my God. (laughs) So, <laughs> what yeah. we can do stuff while we have our uh, periods? Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be a podcast with me without a mention of periods.
0: <laughs> I was, I was going to say, Danny, that's a great segue into something that you actually got interviewed about on national TV, mm-hmm. which was the change in policy in Scotland to make um, san- women's sanitary products available free to people who couldn't afford them. Is that yeah,
2: right? Yeah. So it actually the. The Act and then the law and everything got passed in the last couple of years and it came into action in August of this year. Mm. And it's that there has to be menstrual products available um, for anyone who needs them. So it's not saying, you oh, okay. know, every household gets delivery or everyone gets vouchers <laughs> or whatever. It's more that it should be easy for people to go and get them if they need them. And then off of the mm-hmm. back of that, about two or three weeks later, the um, West Australian government announced that they were going to provide free products in state high schools. Um, which is also really awesome, but um, it would be great if we could go a bit further. And everyone's very locked into this issue of girls aren't going to school because they have their periods. And
3: mm-hmm.
2: there's there's not a huge amount of evidence to say that that is the only reason that they're not going to school. And it can also be because they have menstrual pain, for example. Um, but also people had their periods for like 40 years. So, yeah, it's important that we look at girls who are school age, but we also need to look at girls who aren't in school and um, the, the rest of the life course and also start thinking about met- perimenopause and menopause as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. And do, do you have any sense that um, apart from the, the change in policy around schools that there might be bigger changes going to happen in Australia? Yeah,
2: so the ACT looks like they will um, follow with um, a similar lines to the Scottish policy. Um, it'll just be one of those things where Western Australia lags behind until we're pushed into it. We were the last state <laughs> to announce that we would, we would provide products in high schools, so we got there in the right, end. Right?
0: Okay. So. Yeah, that, that's the joys of living in a federal system where every state has a reasonable amount of autonomy over their health system. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's a bit of a strange hybrid yeah. kind of <laughs> arrangement, but yeah, that's that's really interesting. Um, yeah, it's. There's a bit of an anomaly in WA, considering we've got a, a Labor government who tend to be more progressive. Mm-hmm. But this this Labor government, I wouldn't say fits into that category necessarily. They're mm-hmm. fairly conservative and in, in, some, in a lot been of ways. They have very,
2: very focused on COVID in terms of health.
0: Yeah, myopic. Yeah, to the point of excluding other mm-hmm. health issues. Yeah. Really. Yeah, yeah. My my dad had a knee replacement um, earlier this year that he had been waiting, I think, around two yeah. years for. Um, for that reason, yeah. yeah. So nice. yeah, interesting. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, one one other thing that probably has a bit of a public health impact that I kind of thought of during the year is the fact that Russia decided to invade Ukraine.
1: <laughs> True. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that doesn't get enough um, airtime at the moment because yeah. it's still going.
0: It's still going, and um, yeah. Obviously, we've we've chosen our guests really well because Danny does have a bit of a background in international. Our global health as well and <laughs> um, so what what are your collaborators seeing a lot of the impacts of that Dani?
2: um i have to say the main people i've talked to in that area have been working with refugee populations coming over the borders um mm-hmm. and it's another one of those things which it, it's the same as a lot of other i don't you know do they say it's a war whatever war attacks etc where um People are fleeing and they're they're actually going from quite high standards of living to suddenly being in a refugee situation. So it's -hmm. it's pretty, I mean, it's heartbreaking in general, but you can just imagine, I think that's why it's gotten so much um, press is because people are like, oh, well, I can imagine that happening to me. Um, And that's Mm -hmm. kind of been at the detriment of thinking about all of the other crises that are going on around the world with people from, like, as Trump would say, shithole countries, whatever else he said <laughs> a few years ago,
3: yeah. um,
2: where it kind of seems like the global media is like, yeah, well, of course, things are going badly over there. They always are. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, of course, the Ukraine is horrific, what's going on, um, mm-hmm. but sometimes we need to also look at what else is happening. Uh,
0: yeah, and I, I think what, what sort of drew me to that from a public health point of view is the food insecurity mm-hmm. that seems to have... Proliferated in, in sort of northeastern Africa and, and places that may, were maybe reliant on the food that came out of that region. Uh, and there's probably other countries. I know Myanmar has obviously humanitarian and, and um, economic issues as well. Um, but yeah, I just wonder what, what it means. And obviously, like people are, are not getting energy yeah. for, at the same cost that they used to. So they can't heat their houses in some of these really cold countries over the winter and, you know, that sort of thing. So yeah, it's going to be, um, yeah. Serious, I think, moving forward.
1: Yeah, and I guess um, on top of that, the other thing that we should probably mention is what's happening in, I want to say, Iran with the protests. Mm-hmm. Um, you mm-hmm. know, it's not necessarily directly related to health or public health, but if we look at social determinants and mental health and um, expression of freedom and creativity, which all Improves the health of the population yeah. what's happening in in Iran and those countries with the protests and then subsequent deaths um, that's not being advertised nearly enough in in our media I don't think we've really heard about it much at all but I you know I have some friends from around that area and it's it's really bad it's really really
2: bad and it should be um advertised more yeah it's probably one of those things that you know I'm seeing a little bit about it because that's what my facebook Group of friends is interested in, right? And I mean, I can't say that I know very much about it still, even from that. But there'd be a lot of people who have no idea what's going on.
1: Yeah. So from mm. what I understand, it's uh, it stemmed from covering your hair, which is mm. a religious choice. Um, and I, you know, people in Australia, I feel, have it, it is a choice. Whereas it's not necessarily a choice when it comes to um, uh, uh, Middle Eastern countries necessarily. Um, there were protests where people cut their hair um as a a protest for women freedom um and a number of people around my age uh you know women aged 30 and under have been arrested and subsequently killed they've been Mm -hmm. um put under um the death penalty for their protests and all they did was cover their hair uh, uncover their hair and cut it that's all they did Mm -hmm. um yes yeah, so it's been it's been yeah. pretty horrific over there um and things like that I feel should should be known around the world
0: yeah i I think the the central issue is that there's a an organization in Iran called the Morality Police <laughs> that go around policing these fairly hardcore interpretations mm. of Islam that impose a lot of things on women yeah. and and the hair covering face coverings one of them, and they had arrested a young girl for supposedly. Violating one of these rules, and she died in custody. Yeah. I think she was a teenager, and that's where this movement has has been sparked from. Was protesting against that happening, and it's just sort of snowballing, kind of kind of like the Arab Spring uprising, you know, ten years ago in in Egypt mm-hmm. and, and other places. Um, but yeah. We are incredibly lucky in this country, aren't we?
1: We are. Um, And something I guess I can say that's more positive about uh, something in Australia is I read an article this year um, on a completely different note, but it relates to women, um, the top 1,000 women scientists uh, of the year. So uh, there is a list that someone creates. I don't remember who. Is it Forbes? He might be Forbes some Not US sure. place. Anyway, they created a list of the top thousand um, female scientists and they base it on um, publications, citations and impact they've had on other researchers as well as awards and professional achievements. And we had 36 Australians in the top 1000 um, and we had one Australian in the top 100 remembering that this list Mm. is based in the u.s so it makes sense that the majority of these people are from the u.s (laughs) no comment (laughs) on u.s itself anyway so we had Uh, one one um australian female researcher in the top hundred her name's louisa uh degenhart i hope i was a psychologist
0: yeah yes yeah she's a she's an addiction research specialist yes um I've started lots of her work in my work.
1: <laughs> yes, I've just started reading some of her stuff as well. So um, University of New yeah. South Wales uh, Drug and Alcohol Research Centre, um, she was 84th. Um, and the, the yep. main reason uh, why she's been highlighted in the top 100 is her work in global burden of disease studies. Um, yeah, they're highly impactful research uh, publications um, and uh, it's well-deserved.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Louis. I don't think anyone works harder than her. No, she's her track record's ridiculous. It's pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, <laughs> pretty crazy. <laughs> I don't know if I've got her. Stats. Yeah, that's good. Um,
0: yeah. yeah, we're talking like hundreds of publications, and you know, I'm happy with grand,
1: my um, yeah, my nine. I think I've got nine now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm doing pretty
1: well. Got thirty
2: citations, and I look at it. And I'm very excited. <laughs> It is nice when you see your paper um, cited and you get an alert, but then you look at it and you're like, they cited it incorrectly. This is not relevant. And
1: like, I, I oh, didn't well. realise that that was a thing. So when I first started looking at my citations and like I saw, and I saw what they were citing, I'm like, that's, that's nothing to do with my article. Like yeah. I'll accept the citation, but what?
2: It's, yeah, crazy. I didn't realise that that was actually a thing. Well, yeah, and I mean, as someone who reviews a lot of papers, you can't check every citation. You have to take their word for it at some point. Yeah.
0: Crazy. Yeah. It's yeah. Unless it's they're making a bold claim yeah, yeah. and that's new to me. Um, I yeah, I don't really delve into the citations too carefully. Obviously, if they say something that I think's a bit yeah. off, you know, based on the evidence, I'll scrutinize it. But yeah, you, you can't. If you're trying to review yeah. as many papers as we get asked to review, yeah. it's yeah. <laughs> it's the same with marking, mm. you know, when you're marking mm-hmm. students' assignments. You can't review
1: everything. You
0: just Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, was there anything else anyone wanted to discuss before we sign off for the year?
2: Hmm. I was just going to say thank you for inviting me today. It's been fun. And um, I I don't think I said earlier, my toddler has had gastro all week, so I have been thinking about poo a lot, and so it was actually even more than normal. (laughs) So it was a really fun paper to actually look at as well. I've definitely had melted (laughs) chocolate all week from him, so Uh, he's just getting a bit – he's getting better now. That's good. I'm glad he's feeling better.
0: (laughs) Does does anyone have any interesting plans over the holiday period?
1: I am making my gingerbread house. So I have a tradition in our family. Um, We've been doing it for the past five years or so. Uh, We make a gingerbread house that's not not a gingerbread house. Um, So this year I am making a cactus garden um, that has a secret trapdoor for a little gummy bear hideout. Oh, wow. Um, We're still
2: in the plans for it, but I'm very excited about it. That sounds amazing. I don't yes. have anything exciting. We're, well, we're going to Brisbane to be with my in-laws for Christmas, which is like that's lovely. Mm-hmm. But we're also having to fly with a toddler, so uh, yeah. <laughs> pros and cons.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Flying at the moment is not that much fun no. either. Like,
1: yeah. No. <laughs> what about you, Craig? <laughs>
0: we went to the. So we're taking. So it's it's actually our puppy's first birthday oh, today. Oh, that's exciting. Um, um. So we've we're having a birthday p- party for him on. <laughs> Saturday, which is <laughs> a couple of days nice, from now, nice. um, with a few of his puppy pals that he's met over the first year of his life. Yeah. Uh, and then we're taking him camping uh, over New Year for a week or nice. so nice. down to the southern parts of WA. You know, so,
1: my my cat yeah. had their birthday on the 13th, turning nine, and yeah. um, I suggested a birthday party for, for my cat. And it was uh, promptly rejected by my partner uh, oh. saying that no one has parties for their pets. And I'm like, mm, mm. so now I'll just have to let him know that, Craig, you're having one for your, for your puppy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Our
2: dog's turning 12 in January and now I'm thinking he needs a birthday party. I think so.
0: Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd say at, at that age it's just definitely a yeah. celebration. He's still very you know. slightly. <laughs> it's a good... Yeah, it's a good effort. But we'll take photos and ensure that you've got some ammunition coming to convince. (laughs)
1: Excellent. I'd love to see some photos of a (laughs) puppy party.
0: (laughs) Excellent. Well, to finish off, uh, people listening, um, I attempted to play a a song that I wrote at the Let's Present um, event that we had earlier this year and butchered it. (laughs) <laughs> you know, the words oh,
1: just for everyone listening um, he didn't butcher it i don't think anyone even <laughs> realized he forgot the words uh, <laughs> it was very it was some
0: pretty quick yeah some pretty quick thinking on my feet and ad-libbing um so yeah i'm go- I've, I've actually recorded a version of it and i'm gonna send out 2022 for the mening of health with a, a rendition of that song for anyone who might be interested amazing yeah so, yeah, watch, um, for those are listening, just just carry on listening. Enjoy. <laughs> and for Danny and Courtney, thanks very much for joining us. It's been a really uh, insightful and um, groundbreaking chat. I think. <laughs> We're
1: covering <laughs> a lot of ground.
0: <laughs> yeah. No,
1: it's been very and,
0: good. Um, yeah, and we'll look forward to doing it all again in the new year.
1: Great.
0: Um With various people. And, uh, yeah, those listening, thanks very much for your support and we'll look forward to speaking to you again in 2023. Great.
2: See you later.
0: Merry Christmas, everyone. This one's called Research Utopia.
4: Another day of PhD fun comes to a close Another night of writing in epidemiological prose As the midnight oil beckons me towards my bed I drift off to sleep and dreamy thoughts Fill up my head I like your methods and your rationale is strong With such novel findings, the study does no wrong It will have the highest impact before too long Such a piece of work should be celebrated in a song of work completed supervisors call a truce the journal's formatting requirements are anything but loose several hours later with square eyes I press submit drifting off again I hear a friendly voice that will not quit I like your methods and your rationale is strong such novel findings, this study does no wrong. It will have the highest impact before too long. Such a piece of work should be celebrated in a song. time.
0: with the support of the Education Enhancement Unit and the School of Population and Global Health at the University of Western Australia. The podcast is produced by Craig Cumming and Courtney Webber with editing, mixing and additional music by Craig Cumming.